If you have <clears throat> your songbook, I would like for you to look at a song. We, we don't sing it very often. Maybe we sing it here more often. I've, I've not heard it. Maybe we don't know it here. But there's a song that I really appreciate the words to. It's number 66 in your Bible or in your songbook. Um, but the first verse of it, and I think it, it's a song for men. And it says, Rise up, O men of God. Have done with lesser things. Give heart and mind and soul and strength to serve the King of Kings. And that's, that's what this weekend's about. Let's, let's find some time when we can rise up as men of God and spend a day, two days, thinking about His kingdom, His will, our families, and how we can better lead them. And just for a little while, let's be done with lesser things. And let's put our priorities where they ought to be. So I really encourage you to uh, sign up for that and, and participate in that. I know we'll have a good time together as that day comes. I saw, oh, it's been a few years ago, there was a uh, little comic strip in the newspaper. And that comic strip said um, it had a man proclaiming his love for his girlfriend. And he said, honey, I love you with all my heart. Why, I would swim the widest ocean for you. I would climb the highest mountain if that meant that I could have you. I would brave the coldest Arctic storm to prove my love for you. And when he got done with that, his girlfriend said, Great, can you come over to my house Saturday? I'm cleaning out the garage. And he said, I hate people that take advantage. And, you know, the idea of you, swelling words are easy to say. But when, you know, when it comes right down to doing, putting our words into action, sometimes we fall far short. There are people today who like to have some kind of connection to Jesus. And if you listen to their words, you might think that they were great, committed disciples of Christ. But when you see their actions, you might see they're not as committed as you might have thought or as their words might suggest. You see, there are Christians and there are people in the world who have a connection to Jesus. They're not willing to just discard them altogether, but they approach him with caution or they approach him with a sense of curiosity. This, this ethic that he brings, it's kind of interesting. And, and they haven't really committed themselves wholly. And the time that that best shows itself is in times of trouble, uh, when we are called upon to take up arms for the cause of Christ. Those who are cautious and curious, they flee. When we are called upon for the cause of Christ to work and to sacrifice, those who are cautious and curious, uh, they abandon, they retreat, they leave. God doesn't need cautious Christians. He doesn't need curious disciples. He needs people that are sold out, that are wholly committed with a reckless abandon to the, the, the kingdom agenda, the cause of Christ. And I want us to see tonight, I, I, or this morning, I want you to see this morning what can happen when people are not committed fully 
to the cause of Christ. When you don't have commitment, but you have some kind of connection that kind of tags you along, you run into problems. And here's what you get when you're not wholly committed to Jesus. We'll use a case study in the Bible. Go back in your Bible. You want to go ahead and open it to the book of Jonah. Go ahead and do so because we're going to look at the first chapter of Jonah. And we see a man who lacks commitment. And the things that take place in his life in this event are the things that we see that happen over and over again today with people who lack the necessary commitment to be a follower of Jesus. But I'd like for us to look at four things that I learned from those who are not wholly committed to Jesus but are just curious or cautious followers of him. Number one, the first thing that I notice is that we miss a privilege to partnership, the privilege of partnership with God. In Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, the, the, the passage that was just read, Jonah was asked by God, can you imagine what that must have been like? We don't have this kind of a direct call today. I don't hear God say, Steve, what? You know, or like Samuel, Samuel, when God called out his name three times. I don't have that kind of a call today. He does call me through his gospel, and I do have an agenda to, to follow, and I do have a partnership that I can engage with him in. But that direct call in the Old Testament when God would just say to a prophet, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh and I want you to preach to these people. The opportunity to join God's work and to know this is the work of God. Sometimes we can say, I don't know if we're doing the best thing or not. You know, I'm trying to do what's right, but I don't really know if this is what God would have us to do or if this is what God would have us to do. And, I'm, you know, there's maybe sometimes we think there might be better ways to do what we're doing. There's no mistake in that this is partnership with God that cannot be misunderstood. God calls out to Jonah and says, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. I want you to preach. And instead of partnering with God in what he knows is God's agenda... He runs the opposite direction. When people are fail, uh, when people are not fully committed to God, what we see is missed opportunities to work with God. It's pretty cool to be able to say, "I know so and so." You find some famous person and and some person of great reputation, and you rub shoulders with them. It's kind of neat to be able to say. We're friends. I know him. We work together. Imagine what it would be like to be able to say, I work with God. I I work with him. I'm a partner with him. I'm I'm on a mission that he sent me on. And uh, we have fellowship. The God of the universe, the God who made it all, he and I are teammates. I don't know how you turn that down. How can we reject partnership with God. But it happens. It happened to Jonah because he wasn't fully committed. And it happens to us today. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, the apostle Paul says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Paul was begging people 
to partner with God. Give your life to Him. Unlike the Old Testament sacrifices that we just burn up and offered up, you know, as dead things, this, I want you to give your life. I want you to live for Him and prove that what He's called us to is good and acceptable. We miss that when we're not wholly committed to the gospel. In Ephesians 2 and verse 10, the Bible tells us, well, if you back up to verse 8, for by grace have you been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we, get this, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. God has a purpose for us. And if we will join with him and accept his grace and walk with him, he has made us to do some things, some works that he has planned for us. We partner with him. If I don't have full commitment to the cause of Christ, if I'm not totally committed to God, I won't say yes when he calls my name. I'll go the opposite way. And maybe we've all been there before. We've done that ourselves. We've not been or not had the kind of commitment we should have. What we've been called to do or the opportunity that is before us requires just a little bit too much commitment or a little bit too much time or a little bit too much money or a little bit too much sacrifice and we let it pass us by and we refuse to partner with God. Don't, don't let those things happen. We've prayed for opportunities, for open doors here. Let's let those doors be opened by God and His providence. But let's be willing, because of our commitment, to walk through those doors. Jonah missed it because he didn't have the commitment that he should have. A second point that you see when you lack commitment is that you're, you choose, well, your choices damage other people. And think about what Jonah's situation was. He's on this ship. He's fleeing from God. God creates this storm, and the, the ship is literally being torn apart. Listen to what it says. If you look at your Jonah chapter 1 and read what it says in verse 4, but the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. This isn't just a storm. This is to the point where the ship is about to come undone. They're about to all die in the sea. The ship is coming apart at the seams. Jonah's not the only person on this ship. There are other men who have other lives, who have families and children and all those connections, mothers and fathers, and they're about to lose their life because of a decision that Jonah made, because he didn't have the kind of commitment that he should have to God. Other people suffer because of our lack of commitment to God. That's one of the points I see from this. And is that not the case today? Do our choices damage other people beyond ourselves? It's one thing, you know, people, I hear people say, it's my life, I'll do what I want with it. It's none of your business. Well, it is your life. And you can do what you want with it. But if you think your life won't affect other people's lives, you're greatly mistaken. You will likely, more than likely, either take people to heaven with you or you'll take people to hell with you. 
Your influence will affect other people. Uh, you know, men's retreat, fathers, what influence do you have in your home? What kind of instruction and direction and example have you been giving your family, your spouse, your children, mothers? Do you respect the Word of God? Do your children see you respect the Word of God? Is it a priority in your life? Um, the way we live has much to do with the salvation or not, of others. You remember in Luke chapter 17, Jesus says, verses 1 through 2, there are going to be people that sin. Offenses will come. But he said, Woe unto him by whom they come. For it would be better to have a millstone tied around your neck and cast you into the depths of the sea than for you to cause one of these little ones to stumble. Jesus said, People are going to make mistakes. People are going to sin. It's going to have an impact on others. You better hope it's not you that caused it because you're in deep trouble if you bring about the destruction of another. In Romans chapter 7 or chapter 14, verse 7, the Bible says, No man lives to himself, no man dies to himself. We all have influence. When I fail to be totally committed to God, I have an influence that is far-reaching that will affect and damage and even destroy others. Can I give you an example? You go back to the book of Numbers, chapter 16. Well, we can talk Adam and Eve. You know, look, look at the influence of their sin. And, and we can look at David and how thousands of people died because of his sin. And in Numbers chapter 16, Korah, Dathan, and Abiram, and on, they begin a, well, a murmuring among God's people. They didn't like the fact that Moses had responsibilities that they didn't have access to. Even though they were given responsibilities beyond the average Israelite, they weren't satisfied. And so they caused a grumbling and a murmuring, and lines were drawn A battle was waged, so to speak, God against the people. And the next day, Korah, Dathan, Abiram, and on, and all those followers, they were all destroyed. The earth just swallowed them up. God spoke emphatically in favor of Moses. And then, because of the rebellion, people saw what God had done to these those who were rebellious, and they said, boy, man. God's kind of hard. I don't know he should have done that. That's like a little over the top. I mean, that, I, I don't like that. And, and so God heard that murmuring that was caused initially by the murmuring of Korah, who's dead and gone. And 14,000 more people died because of what Korah instigated. The residual effects of Korah's rebellion lived long after he was dead and gone and affected thousands more people. Listen, folks, if you fail to be committed to God wholly, if you want to be a curious or a cautious follower of Jesus, there's going to be a wake of damage left behind you in the lives of people probably that you care much about. Don't let that happen. I see another point from the life of Jonah And it's that he became hardened and desensitized to uh, the plight of other people. Here is Jonah's a prophet. 
I mean, that's, he's about people. He's trying to bring people into conformity with the will of God. He gets on this boat because he's not fully committed to God. He's running from God. And as this boat is coming apart at the seams, he's down there sleeping while other people are in peril. The captain of the ship comes to him and says, Listen, wake up, O sleeper. What are you thinking? Why are you asleep down here? We're about to die. Cry out to your God, whoever it is, that he might have mercy on us. Here's a man who should have been concerned about others, and he was asleep when they were in peril. You know, doesn't that again happen? When we fail to be committed to God, we set ourselves on a course that shows total disregard for others. Listen, when moms and dads forsake their commitment to Jesus and you see children raised not knowing the Lord, not knowing the power of God, not knowing God's love for them and the things that God has done through history that compels us to love Him, when, when mom and dad will forsake God and allow their children to be raised in a godless home, and to have values instilled with them that run contrary to the values of Jesus and give them little hope of ever turning around because, listen, habits are hard to break. Values are hard to change. You sit back and you look at that and you think, how? Why would they make... You know, it's one thing to if you want to choose that for yourself, but man, you're making decisions for your kids. It's hard to see. It's hard to comprehend. But that's what we do when we we pursue this course of lack of commitment, when we, we pursue a course of just being cautiously connected to Jesus or curiously connected to Jesus. We stand at arm's length and we keep our children at arm's length. Jonah was at arm's length from God and he was threatening the lives of everybody on that ship because of his decision. Let's not make decisions that hurt our children and our grandchildren and the generations that will eventually follow. And then the final point that I want to share with you this morning is that when we lack commitment, we lose our integrity. We lose our trust. You know, in the story of Jonah, in Jonah chapter 1, when they wake Jonah up and they say, you know, you need to start praying to your God, It's interesting that they ask him, who are you and where are you coming from and what are you doing? And Jonah says in verse 9, listen to this, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, Why have you done this? For the men knew that he had fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. So Jonah has this uncomfortable, embarrassing confrontation on this ship when it's about to come apart. And he says, Guys, I'll tell you why this is happening to us. I'm a prophet of God. And God sent me to go to Nineveh or told me to go to Nineveh to preach. And you know, I just didn't want to. I got on this ship and decided to go the opposite direction. And it's because of my decision that uh, we're in this mess. It's kind of like a preacher, maybe, I don't know, going to a bar, sitting on a bar stool, 
drinking whatever whiskey he has, and some guy comes up to him and says, hey, what's your occupation? Uh, I'm a preacher. It's kind of embarrassing to be asked that question when you're in that position, isn't it? That's not the kind of thing you ought to be having to do. Jonah's a prophet of God, and he's run from God. And what do you think those guys think of Jonah now? Prophet of God? you got to be kidding me. You're running from God. You fear God? You, you have the nerve to say you are one who fears the Lord? No, you don't. Look at your actions. You see, I don't think he would have had much of any influence on those people who were on that boat. He said, I'm supposed to be a prophet, a preacher. and Here I am running from God, not doing my job. That's who I am, basically. Who are you? Well, what if people got right down to it and they saw the way you lived and they asked you, who are you? When we get done with the week of living and before we assemble here again next week, if Saturday night we had to go to our friends and answer for who we are, would we be embarrassed? Who are you now? You, you say you're a Christian, a disciple of Jesus, someone who is committed to following Jesus and becoming more and more like him daily. That's who you say you are? And, and Friday night, what about that? And what about Saturday? But you're this, right? Yeah, right. You see, we can destroy our influence, lose our integrity and trust. The message can be destroyed because of the messenger. Let's not let that happen. Your neighbors, your friends, uh, your family, they need to see consistent discipline in your life. They need to see that what you're talking about today is real and you live it out through the rest of the week. It's not something you put on and take off. It's something that you live, that you are. It's who you are. You're sold out, totally committed to God. So in the book of Jonah, chapter 1, just from the first 10 verses, I think we see four really good illustrations of what happens when we're not totally committed and sold out to God. I want to ask you this morning as we bring this lesson to a close, I want to give you this thought. There is a challenge. There there are challenges to partner with God today. There There are opportunities that will cross your path where God says, I need you. Here am I, send me. We just sang that a little bit ago. Here am I, send me. Will you partner with God in that sense? Will you be one who stands up and says, God, I'm sold out. You need anything, you call me. Or will you persist in a course that says, I like Jesus. I just don't want to get too involved. I don't know what it's going to cost me. I don't know how much time it's going to take. I don't, I don't know what kind of things I'm going to be getting into. And so I'm just going to kind of just hang out and stay at arm's length and, and have a connection. I want to remain curious. I want to stay cautious. I'm just not into commitment. I've tried to show you this morning where the lack of commitment will take you. It will destroy you 
and it'll destroy the people around you that you love. God doesn't need cautious, curious disciples. He needs holy, fully committed followers, disciples, who have committed to follow him wherever he leads. Listen, if you haven't made that commitment this morning, why don't you do that? If you've not yet obeyed the gospel, you've not been baptized, you know the Lord says to be baptized for the remission of your sins. You haven't done it yet. You plan to. You're just not sure about the consequence. Listen, do what he said. Become committed to him. Follow him. He'll keep his word. You keep your commitment to him. And someday you'll rejoice in heaven that you did. If you need to be baptized into Christ, we'll assist you in that. If you're a child of God already but unfaithful, you haven't been wholly sold out to him and you want to be. You don't want to end up like Jonah, threatening the lives of the people that you love. You want to be sold out to Christ. Then we'll pray with you to that end if you'll come as we stand together and sing. Would you walk with him within the narrow road? Would you have him bear your burden, carry all your load? Let